you're not going to win a lot of games, uh, probably any games, when you're not rebounding the basketball. Um, th- this is not a number that, again, is going to be translated into wins. It's just not. All right, 43 to, t- to uh, 26. That's that's a large discrepancy for an Iowa team that dominated, I shouldn't say dominated, beat Wisconsin in that category in all three matchups last year. All right. Iowa's going to have problems beating anybody without giving up less uh, offensive rebounds and, and, again, getting more offensive rebounds themselves. And, again, we saw some improvement in these last couple of games, specifically Maryland. Um, Iowa seemed to clean up some of these issues, but th- this was a key, and I-, I said it in advance of this game, and I'm not the only one, obviously, because this has been the biggest issue with this team thus far. Obviously, lack of defense is still there at times. The the rebounding woes are going to lose. They're just going to lose this team games, and we saw it tonight. The the eighty seven to uh, seventy eight that 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 is not indicative of of how lopsided this game was. It, it was never really ever close. Maybe the first seven eight minutes, you could argue it was close, um, but overall, just just not a good enough effort on the glass. And, and you're also not going to win. I mean, you're not going to win many games. You're probably never going to beat Wisconsin, giving up eighty seven points. This is a good Wisconsin defense. It's always going to be a good Wisconsin defense. So you're just simply not going to win games when you get punished on the glass and you have 87 points up to a Badger team that is not an offensive juggernaut. Now, Johnny Davis is spectacular. We knew that, um, as is Keegan Murray. Both of those guys showed out tonight. But ultimately, you just can't give up those types of numbers. We will be joined here shortly, I believe, by Coach Gary Close, who was at the game tonight. No surprise there. Uh, his His... Two teams of his heart, I guess you could say. Um, so he was in Madison this evening. If you want to give us a call, though, uh, let's wait until Gary calls in, because I believe Gary is going to be phoning us here briefly. Um, so we'll wait on the call line, but we'll run through some of your comments, and then we'll open up those lines after uh, after we get off the phone with Gary. So the real Hayden says you can't win. <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. You can't win a one-on-five game. Every good team Iowa has played. It's been Keegan Murray versus everyone else. Purdue was a fluke. Final score was final score closer than the game was. Changed my mind. Well, the Purdue game was not a fluke, Caden. I mean, I, if you want to say that the result as a whole was a fluke, the, the final score. Maybe he's talking about the Badger game. Yes, this final score was certainly closer than the actual game was. But that Badger or that Purdue game, Iowa just everywhere. I mean, they, defensively they played well. They re- rebounded the ball decently well against a team that that really overmatched them as far as height. Um, but I wouldn't call that. A, I wouldn't call it a fluke. I understand the frustration here with this. And look, the defense. We've been saying it for five years now. That the defense has to be better. It just has to be better than it was tonight. And I'm talking about the the half court defense. I'm not talking about the press. When the press works, it's great. It creates turnovers. It, it you know it disrupts rhythm. But once the other team gets past half court and gets set. Um, Iowa has problems stopping people from scoring. It, it comes down to that, and it's that simple. And you can no longer blame lack of athleticism. I heard that all last year. I heard it the year before that. I heard it the year before that. Really, ever since Adam Woodbury and Jared Utoff, Mike Gasell, those guys graduated, all I've heard is Iowa doesn't have the horses to play defense, which is just garbage because I see Wisconsin do it every year with guys who aren't great athletes, although Johnny Davis is a heck of an athlete. There's not a ton of athletes on that team. They play defense. They play together. They teach fundamentals. And until Iowa can get over a hump defensively, there's just always going to be a ceiling. I feel like it's the exact opposite conversation that I'm, I'm having as it relates to Iowa football. 
Like I'm not arguing. I'm not complaining about results per se. Iowa football just won 10 games. I'm not complaining about the fact that Iowa basketball has been to how many straight two or three straight uh, NCAA tournaments. I believe three, well, three straight. If you count the year that of course the tournament got canceled, they would have made that, that uh, tournament. The problem is I just, there's going to be a ceiling. You got to figure out a way to break through on that side of the ball. And right now I was not able to do that. So uh, yeah, it is what it is. Now, can they get those problems fixed? I would think so. Again, they have the horses. They've got the athletes. These kids can play defense. We see it individually at times from guys like Tony Perkins, Aaron Euless, uh, Keegan Murray, Chris Murray. But they just got to be a little bit more connected defensively and uh, find body a guy up, box a guy out, grab some rebounds. I know that's easier said than done, but this is not a, a real big Wisconsin team. Chris Vogt, the transfer from uh, Cincinnati, is a big kid. I think he's around seven foot. But again, it's just will and determination. And I know that Wisconsin has been driven, built on fundamentals for years, but it's just got to be better. Uh, I don't care if you're playing Wisconsin or who you're playing. Now, again, Maryland was a good example. If Iowa rebounds the basketball, even when the defense isn't great, you're going to have a chance to win a lot of games because the offense is really good. It's really efficient. Um, But here's the problem, folks. If you don't play any defense and you don't rebound, you can almost guarantee Iowa loses games. They're going to lose the game. Uh, Last year, you could be bailed out at times because you may just get Frederick hot and Wieskamp hot and Garza's doing his thing and Bohannon's hot. You don't have all the shooters this year. You just don't. All right. You have some some scores. Obviously, Keegan has really emerged. His brother is playing well. But you do not have the volume of shooting that you had last year to bail you out of poor defensive showings, lack of rebounding. Now, they were actually decent or decent rebounding team last year. But a part of that was Luca Garza was really good on the boards. And certainly they had Jack Nungy, who is showing out for Xavier right now. So uh, they're going to have to figure out a way. They're going to have to figure out a way because uh, the lack of rebounding isn't going away. I don't see that going away. They can improve it. They played Maryland even in that category, just about even in that category, I believe, um, earlier this week. But it just it starts defensively, um, as, as Coach Close has talked about. Defensive possession is not over until you secure that board. And Iowa wasn't able to do enough of that this evening. Certainly, um, the Brad Davison stuff. I, I'm just t- I'm just tired of talking about him. I think he's uh, I think he's a dirty player, and it's he didn't do anything tonight that I would say was dirty. But we've seen him, you know, punch a guy in the the his you know sensitive area, if you will. We've seen him uh, kick people, try to trick trip people. I get tired of watching it. I think it's uh, I think it's disgraceful to the Big Ten in college basketball, but it is what it is. That's not why Iowa lost. I will say the game changed um, after the shot clock or no shot clock violation call. The, the, the call in that first half, I think less than midway through the first half, where Wisconsin should have been charged a shot clock violation. Clear, ball clearly did not touch the rim. Somehow that, was, that, that call was uh, upheld. I'm not quite sure how that's possible, but... It was, and so we move on. And that, the game really seemed to change at that point. It was a one-point game at that point. Iowa had cut the lead to one, and it was a snowball after that. So uh, disappointing on that note. All right, getting through our comments here. Ray says, midway through the first half, the team should have gotten the bus and headed down 151. 5.5-minute 5. 5 scoring drought is pathetic. Well, here's the thing, Ray. You can survive scoring droughts when you're playing defense, I'll tell you, I, I don't have the data to back this up, but I guarantee you Wisconsin has scoring droughts because when Johnny Davis, as great as he is, 
when he's not in the game and he's not gonna be able to play 40 minutes a game. So I, I, I can guarantee you looking through the box scores of Wisconsin's previous games this year so far, there are nights where Johnny Davis, if he's out for five, 10 minutes and, and, and typically he's probably going to play 35 plus. Right. But I'm telling you, this team is Wisconsin's not great offensively. So they pride themselves on playing defense when your best players are out of the game. That's just what you have to do when you, when you're, when you're struggling to put the ball in the basket, that can't be like, it shouldn't be assumed. Well, I would not score the, the lead should grow. That, that shouldn't be, you should be able to at least hang around. And, and the problem with Iowa, and again, this is just, we're beating a dead horse over and over again, but the problem with Iowa is consistently you fall behind, you go through a drought and just like that, the game is 15, 20 point deficit. And you're just not going to win games doing that. Uh, and it's hard to climb back into games when you're not playing defense. That's the other problem. It's not hard to lose leads. We saw that against Virginia. We saw that against Illinois. We saw that against Maryland. It's actually pretty easy to lose leads. But when you are trying to come back in a deficit, it's next to impossible, right? You've got to figure out a way to get stops. And Iowa, just every time they got within 13, 14, and the game was just never close after that initial uh, drought by Iowa. So you you hit it on the head, Ray. The, the five-minute drought, yeah, I mean, you can blame the offense, but you, there are going to be times where you're going to have droughts, and you've got to, especially on the road, you got to figure out a way to, to hang around. The Real Hayden says, this is why we haven't had good crowds. I think people want to see a good team, not just a good player. I'm in the minority of being able to, willing to go watch a lottery pick in person, even if the team isn't good. I understand you're frustrated, uh, Hayden. I'm trying to, to maintain a level of uh, balance here because I think we can easily overreact, and there's no reason to do that. But again, I point out those issues. Those issues, unless they change, there's going to be a ceiling. They're going to win some games. They're going to win some games. And this is, I mean, these are, they're winnable games coming up. Indiana's a winnable game. Penn State, that's a very winnable game. Nebraska's a very winnable game. Northwestern, those games are going to be winnable. You're going to be in a, I was going to be in a position in late February to where if they can make a run, they can make the tournament. That's just, that, that's just how it's going to be because they're going to, they're going to overmatch some teams. Keegan Murray is that good. Um, just like I think Johnny Davis is that good. I think John. I think certainly Wisconsin's ceiling is higher right now because they play defense and they rebound. Simple as that. Clay, so are we bad at basketball again? No. No, it's still a really good offense. If you look at Ken Pomeroy's ratings, they're still a top five offense in the country. But they're not even a top 100 defense in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy, which is adjusted according to opponent strength of schedule. I still think it's a little early to uh, really read into those Ken Palmer ratings because Iowa's schedule, it's kind of a domino effect. You're playing lesser teams and you're going to sag off on defense at times. How much is that just naturally you're not good at on the defensive end or how much is it, a, a, again, you're up 30 and you're going to have a, a five to, to seven minute portion of the game where you're not playing great defense. So again, I think you have to see more of the Big Ten season, but the numbers would bear out that Iowa still isn't very good defensively. That's what the numbers say. And, and I think we saw it tonight. Hyperlocal, they look so bad, confused, 100% on Fran. They have more talent to play defense, still non-existent. Connor doesn't deserve the minutes. I'm sorry, he doesn't do anything out there. Um, you know, Connor, I, I, I appreciate this about Connor. I'm starting to appreciate Connor more for what he brings defensively, and Coach Close has brought that up in the past. There are times where I've dogged on Connor, but he, he does work on, de- on the defensive end, and oftentimes he's guarding guys who are bigger than him. Uh, but, he, you know, zero points, five, five fouls tonight. Uh, you know, 
it, it's sort of like the story with Jordan Bohannon. Unless you're getting threes out of him, he's sort of a liability. So unless Connor is playing lockdown defense, he's a, he's a liability, right? I mean, that's just I hate to say that. I like Connor. I like Jordan, but it's just that's just how it's going to be. You've got to figure out a way to get Jordan Bohannon open. I see all thumbs. Your comment. You're exactly right. But here's the problem. We've been seeing this right through the Big Ten season for several seasons now. And I know Jordan didn't play much two seasons ago. Last year, you have so many weapons that I think it's hard to really evaluate how much attention Connor or excuse me, Jordan is getting. But certainly uh, it's it's frustrating and you're going to have to figure out a way to get those guys involved, uh, specifically Jordan, because Connor, listen, Connor, he is what he is offensively. All right. He, he's not going to for some reason, he's not hitting threes. And I've really thought that would be something that would sort of come as, as he continued his career. Again, Gary has talked about it. he doesn't have a bad-looking shooting stroke, but he just can't seem to make threes. And I, I don't quite know why, um, but he's got no confidence from three right now. You see teams leaving him open. He's not able to shoot and make them pay. Uh, so that's frustrating. I believe we have Gary close here. Coach, can you hear me? Yeah. Coach, uh, I Yes, I can hear you just fine, and um, I'll get just. We'll start with this. Uh, your initial thoughts from uh, a disappointing performance for Iowa, and, and certainly an encouraging one from from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was. Uh, you know, Iowa beat Wisconsin three times last year. It looked like they uh, hadn't forgotten about that, and they were sharp right from the, pretty much right from the get go, and and uh, controlled the game pretty much throughout. So it's uh, hey, in this league, you gotta. Take a look at the film and see where you fell short and move on because it's just one right after the other. So you got to hand it to Wisconsin. They just uh, they just played real well tonight. They're on a they're on a bit of a roll right now. We knew Johnny Davis was terrific. We knew Keegan Murray was terrific, and both of those guys played really well tonight. I thought the the game certainly changed, and I'm not blaming the officials on this, but the game changed um, after the uh, long delay when the officials went to the monitors to check to see if the the shot hit the rim. There was a shot clock violation. They ended up upholding the call, which I thought it was the wrong call. But regardless, it seemed to switch momentum. Um, it was a one-point game at that point, and from that point on, uh, it got lopsided. Did you see the same thing, Coach? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I would just pinpoint that. I, I just thought, um, you know, the rebounding thing came back to really haunt. They have a lot of offensive rebounds. I, I thought Iowa's guards uh, were clearly outplayed by. Um, Wisconsin's guards up until the very end when Jordan went off a little bit there at the end, but um, they controlled they controlled the game. So um, and, and they got beat up pretty good on the boards again, which you know you you can't give this team extra possessions because they're so efficient when the ones they've got. You know, I think they gave up 13 or 14 offensive rebounds, which which was way too many, and and didn't shoot well from the free throw line. So to come on the road. I thought what they really lacked, Corey, was a tough sucker that could just make some big-time plays when they needed it or get a big rebound or take a charge. It just, I thought they were out physical uh, today, which Wisconsin sometimes does up at this up here. So, um, But like I said, you got to learn from, learn from the game and move on because there's, there's one coming right around the corner. Coach, I don't know nearly as much about Wisconsin, of course, as you do. But uh, last year, they mentioned those three matchups. Iowa won all three, including one in the Big Ten tournament. But Iowa won the rebounding battle in every one of those three games. And I know these teams are, are built differently, especially Iowa. But the, the margin tonight, you referred to it, 
43 to 26. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you really account for that? I think, I think they were just out physical, out, out worked. I think a lot of times they were right there. They're just quicker to the ball and more aggressive to the ball. And it was a huge, I, I thought it was a difference in the game. You know, they play, you, know, you play decent defense, you get them to miss a shot and then you get them an offensive rebound. And I'll tell you what, they made those offensive rebounds hurt. I, I'd love to know how many they converted because I think they converted a high percentage of that. And, you know, it really wasn't a nine-point game, but I'm guessing they second-chance points was much more than nine differential, although I don't know for sure. Uh, Iowa also struggled from the free-throw line, Gary, which is something odd for this team, the number one team percentage-wise in the conference, 11 of 19 um, and, and don't don't get me wrong, the, the defense wasn't terrible at times, but they gave up 14 points in the first four minutes. And defensively, you yeah. just can't do that against the Wisconsin. You can't give up 87 points against Wisconsin. And certainly rebounding has a lot to do with that. But the half-court defense to me is still just not there. I mean, the press creates turnovers at times, but when that's not when it's not creating turnovers, there seems to be easy buckets on the other end. How does Iowa figure this out midseason? Yeah, that's a real good question. I, I, you know, it's like a lot of things. You just you got to break the tape down and see where you're falling short, whether it's a rotation or getting beaten off a dribble or leaving your feet, and they just got to shore things up. Uh, it's um, you know, it's a work in progress. I thought the zone was effective at times, uh, but then again, they you know when they got decent stops, they could not get a rebound to finish the defense off and. That'll really make your defense look bad. I don't know if you have the stats, but I'm going to guess their second chance points were, you know, probably 15. And, you know, you take those off the board, it's a totally different game, and it makes your defense look a lot better. Um, I think that I worry about that as much as anything. I just say they've got to find somebody that can, other than Keegan, they can go get some rebounds for them when they need it. And, uh, you know, a guy like Tyler Wall, I mean, that kid's not, you know, huge or real athletic, but he goes and gets, he just goes and gets, goes and gets boards. And um, I always got to find somebody that can do the same thing. Yeah. Wisconsin, uh, 18 second chance points and just got four points off their bench. Iowa, 21 points off their bench, Wisconsin, 13 turnovers to Iowa's eight. But again, we, we, we beat this horse dead because it wasn't even close. And it just shows you the impact rebounding and, and second chance points have so well, 18 uh, points a lot i mean that's that's yeah that's that's huge that's a huge amount i mean that's that's almost a quarter of their points <laughs> coming right from offensive rebounds that's an area you can you know you can clean up pretty quick so but it's it's something that's coming and bit them throughout this year and um it, well, Wisconsin's not exactly a dominating rebounding team they're pretty efficient on the defensive end uh but they beat them on the offensive end too tonight so They've got to they've got to get better in that area quick. Gary, I have to ask you. Um, we've discussed Brad Davis Davison before, but uh, the the late in the first half, the the, the kick out on the three. Um, I, I know that the officials talked to the Fox Sports One crew at halftime, and they explained the second half that it was more so the the hip that uh, hit Davison on the way down. But it sure looked like uh, Davison kicked out that leg. Um, did yeah. you see that play on, and did they show a replay in the Cole center? No, they didn't. I, I didn't really see it. I think I didn't like about it. it was so late. Uh, it was just a late whistle. Um, that, that's what, that's what really, it was a bad call. And it was a big call because, you know, it goes from 10 to 13 
uh, and it's a it's an air ball. Maybe they get the rebound and go down and score it. It's an eight point game. They give it a five point differential. So I, I didn't I didn't see a replay. Um, he he you know he has he does have a, a reputation of kicking his leg out every once in a while. Um, but what I didn't like about it was a call that seemed to me to be really late after the play had been done. Absolutely, and uh, certainly the the shot clock violation call that also cost Iowa two points. But regardless, uh, certainly this game was lost. Many other uh, places, specifically the the rebounding and and the defensive woes. So Gary, um, hopefully we get a better result. I know Iowa gets a, about yeah. a week off, so you'll have some more time to work on the boards, and they'll get a, a feisty Indiana team that just is coming off this win tonight against Ohio State. So what do you yeah, see for just, Iowa? And, yeah, it's it, they got their work cut out. Indiana must have played well because Iowa State had been playing great. Yeah. That's an Ohio State team that beat Wisconsin almost by twenty. But that's the way this league's going to be. It's that's why you've got to have a short memory. You got to, you know, they, they got to analyze where they fell short here um, and realize that Wisconsin is playing real well. But they got some areas they got to get better and and get ready for Indiana because uh, if not, then you run into a long, long losing streak or a, you know and you just got to try to avoid that by by moving on and proving but moving on you got to have a short memory in this league and just glancing you're at get the, your butt kicked every once in a while just glancing at the schedule gary this is the last week-long break i believe of the season i mean it's bang 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 after this so um mm-hmm. whatever fixes can be made um during a break need to be made now yep yep i agree and hopefully that'll be the case all right, Coach. It's one, one game. Absolutely. Safe travels back to Middleton, yep. and, and we'll okay. talk to you next week. Uh, you bet, Corey. Thanks, man. Thanks, Gary. Always appreciate hearing from Coach Close, and our line is open if you want to give us a call. Um, 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. Iowa with the 87-78 loss to Wisconsin. I'm frankly shocked that it was that close as far as the scoreboard is concerned. We all know it felt a lot more lopsided um, specifically because of what Gary brought up second chance points. Again, I just don't think the half court defense is very good right now. Um, You know, we, we, I I think I'm also sour just because of we've been seeing the issues defensively cost this team games for again, five years. And it is frustrating. It is frustrating, but it's not changing. I mean, it's just not going to change unless there are changes behind the scenes. You're just, you're going to have games where you play okay defense. You're going to have games like this where I, I thought Iowa played pretty poor defensively throughout the game. That's just my take on this. Um, getting back to your comments, All Thumbs says we're going to keep losing if we don't start rebounding. Um, Hyperlocal, you're right, the game changed with the no shot clock, and it did. The momentum switched at that point. I mean, you just look at the the play-by-play. It changed. At that point, it changed. Um, again, not saying Iowa was going to win the game, but Iowa was actually playing – okay at that point um now wisconsin had built i think a a seven to nine point lead iowa actually came back and uh again got it within one and they would have had the ball with a chance to take the lead all right so i I don't know what the officials saw i don't know what the officials were reviewing if they determined you can't overturn i don't know the rules on that can you overturn that uh, if you find that it didn't hit the, the the rim, I don't know why. If you can't overturn it, why do we even go to the monitor in the first place? Because Wisconsin had gotten the rebound and the clock reset, so I, I don't know what we were looking at there. Um, it certainly was clear from my vantage point that the ball did not touch the rim. I don't know how more. I don't know how much more conclusive you can uh, get. Uh, and maybe I'm a 
a Homer, Iowa fan making that comment. But to me, it was obvious. And again, it hurts you. It hurts you because if you can't seem to, you can't seem to grab momentum on the road and, and keep momentum and it's Iowa's fault. I mean, you can't blame the officials, right? You cannot let that disruption. And it was a long break for nothing, but you can't let that disruption, um, disrupt your rhythm on the road. And I know it's kind of an intangible thing, rhythm and momentum, but when you're on the road, you better find a way to, to uh, sustain momentum when you grab a hold of it. And Iowa had some at that point, and it is frustrating to see. Um, Johnny Davis, again, terrific to, terrific tonight. And, and I know all the scouts there, you kept talking about that on the, uh, the broadcast. Johnny Davis this evening, let me grab his points. Um, he had 26. So Keegan actually outscores Johnny Davis. Isn't that funny? And uh, Johnny Davis was three rebounds from a double-double in the first half. And yet, um, he didn't have a double double. Nine rebounds uh, total, so three in the, I believe, three in the, or two in the second half, if I have that correct. Um, but again, he's terrific. I think these are maybe the two best team. Kofi Coburn is certainly in the discussion. I think you could argue these guys, Keegan and Johnny Davis, are the two best in the league. The difference right now is Wisconsin rebounds well and plays defense well, and that's why this Wisconsin team, like, I mean, there's a reason why, and I know Gary was there during their last Final Four run, but. There's a reason why Bo Ryan and Greg Gard teams have an opportunity to make run, make a run in a postseason tournament. They've done it. And I hate to say it, but there's a reason why Iowa has not. There's a reason why Iowa hasn't gotten past the first weekend. Because you've got to play defense when you go up against the organs of the world or the Gonzagas or the Villanovas or, you know, any of the teams that Iowa has lost to in the tournament. Tennessee, for instance, almost won that game. But uh, I digress. Joe Welsh. Hard to watch the second team come in sometimes with rhythm like that. The 11 to 10 minute mark in the first half. Yeah, again, I don't know. I mean, was it was it that or was it just the the uh, you know, I've talked about the, the hockey line changes. I don't love that because we saw it against Maryland really hurt Iowa. Fran goes the hockey line change and then he basically has to sub all of them out because they've lost all momentum they had early. Fran likes to do that and it's part of his philosophy. It's how he coaches. Again, I don't. I don't necessarily know if if it, if the pros outweigh the cons or not, but it is. I understand the frustration, momentum and rhythm wise, because Iowa was playing well at that point before the uh, momentum switched. All thumb says, "Why did Fran sit Keegan the first time we went down by ten? I thought about that too, but the guy needs to get some rest at some point. I don't know what what point in the first half the ten point lead had. Uh, I don't know what point the the, the uh, lead had been ballooned to fit to a uh, ten, but I did notice that, and it is hard. I mean, I said it during the non-conference season. It appeared to me like Iowa was a bit less one-dimensional than say last year, which would be crazy to think about when you lost Garza, Wieskamp, Frederick, you know, Nunji. But but the difference is during the non-conference, and again, we had to we always sprinkled that with some salt because we understood that opponent-wise. Iowa was not playing the type of competition that was easy to evaluate in a game like this. So again, um, you can't be one dimensional. And if you're completely reliant on Keegan at every moment in the game, you're, you're not going to win many games. There's the league is too good. Um, And, you know, one injury to Keegan, we saw him fall, take a, take a hard fall in that second half, one bad injury. And man, what what are you going to do? So you're going to have to figure out a way to get Tony Perkins rolling offensively. He was playing better a couple of weeks ago. Um, certainly Joe, Jordan Bohannon, we've talked about him. How do you get him open? I don't have the answer to that, but he, he's got to be making threes if he's in the game. That's just, he's got to be. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? 
Hey, this is Pat. How are you doing, Corey? I'm all right, Pat. Not the best of uh, nights. What do you think? <laughs> well, just a just a couple of quick comments. The, you know the the whether the ball hit the rim or not. Um, yeah. And I know the I know the announcers. They mentioned it. Um, I just don't think that the officials looking at that small screen. I don't think they could tell. Um, it was obvious on mine because I got a uh, you know a 65 inch TV, but uh, you know, I was easy to see it there, but I don't know if they could see that. Well, I mean, you know, they're looking at they're looking at a really small monitor. They are, but my, I mean, I don't know how it could be. Yeah, I don't know how it could be so obvious to us at home. Uh, now, granted, I'm looking at a whatever my TV is, 62 inch TV, and I, I get what you're saying, but was it was it even close in your mind? Well, I think it was close enough that on a on a screen that small that. You know, they they just probably looked at it and says, "Well, we can't tell, so we're going to go with the call." Well, need to get a bigger screen then. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly right. And the, and the other thing, you know, and and Fran is, is notorious for this. Um, you know, the lead went from you know I think it was Wisconsin up one um, to twelve, and you know one of one of the best ways to to kill momentum, uh, you know, that the other team might have is to call a timeout. And and he just refuses to do that. Yeah, he doesn't like um, to do that, does he? He does not. He, he, for whatever reason, he likes to save his timeouts. I don't know if he's saving them for, for retirement or what he's <laughs> uh, saving them for, but um, he just does not call timeout in order to kill momentum. Um, and and I, I really would like to see him do that more often because he's, He's done that, you know, the entire time he's been at Iowa. He just does not try to kill a, a, a run by the other team, you know, by calling timeout. Um, well, Pat, just to, to validate what you just said, it was 20 to 19 when that uh, little shot clock review occurred um, and it ballooned to 32 19. And at that point, I hate to say it, when it was 32 19, the game, you felt like the game, and that was the second push Wisconsin had made. And Iowa did make a, a bit of a push to get it back within five, but from then on, it was never close. So I agree with you. Sometimes the, the timeouts are a bit stingy from Fran. Again, I don't agree with the hockey line changes. To me, that disrupts momentum, especially if you're rolling with the lineup. Um, but it, it's, it is hard because when you're on the road, one or two of those mistakes and something can snowball. And again, Iowa was out of this game um, at the Five minute mark in the first half. Yeah, that you know, at, at at the point where the where you had the bad call on the ball, you know, not hitting, uh, not hitting the rim. I mean, that was kind of a perfect storm because you had you had uh, you know Fran made a line change. Uh, Wisconsin went on a run. Uh, he didn't call a timeout. Uh, that second unit wasn't wasn't playing that great, um, and and. You know Perkins. Perkins has been struggling. He'll come back. Uh, you know, Hope so. I mean, yeah. These kids. These kids. You know, I think eight of the twelve. Eight of the twelve that are in the lineup. Um, you know, they've they've never played in these hostile environments with crowds. Um, so, um, you know, they're they're seeing a crowd in Wisconsin for the first time. And they're they're going to see a crowd at Michigan State for the first time. Well, I'll say uh, this, Pat. They've the... just never played in front of them. My one rebuttal to that, Pat, is I don't think that student crowd, I don't think that student body was there tonight, to be completely honest. It, it looked pretty dead in the as far as student population. 
it, 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 it did. It, you know, but it, it still looked better than what Iowa looked the other night. You're right. So Iowa, is, I, I don't know what they had the other night, maybe 3,500, 4,000, um, but they didn't have many there. Um, I, I hope that that changes next week. Um, I don't think they have really any students. Do, do we do, we, you know, Iowa does need the crown, especially this year. But, you know, I think that the one thing we have to look at with this team, you know, if you went back to the end of last year or the beginning of this year, is, you know, they lost Garza, they lost Wieskamp, they lost Frederick. I don't think anybody had great expectations for this season. Um, I didn't. Um, you know, I looked at it more as a as a rebuilding year. Nobody saw uh, Kagan uh, scoring 24 points a game. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a young team. We got to give them that. Yeah. You know, yeah, you got you got some experience there, you know, with Jordan and Connor and some of those guys. But, you know, Jordan and Connor, they're not real productive guys right now. And uh, so, you know, we're relying on the younger people. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still – these kids, you know, it, it's, it's promising to me looking forward, uh, especially if you can get Kagan to come back next year. But uh, I think it looks promising going forward. I, I'm not going to get too too wicked out if they don't, you know, make the tournament. Um, there really wasn't an expectation I had before the season started, anyway. So I think I think the frustration comes, and and I I would probably echo some of this. I think the frustration because there's a lot of frustrated fans tonight. I think a lot of the frustration stems from the fact that I think they're starting to recognize the writing on the wall that that Keegan is probably gone, and so to quote unquote waste a year with a lottery with potential lottery pick is is pretty devastating. I mean, I understand you're right. There weren't a lot of expectations. We didn't know that Keegan was going to make this kind of a jump. But to have a guy maybe your first lottery pick ever, um right. that 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 would be a, a disappointing that would be a disappointing result if this team can't at least make a run into the tournament. But I get what you're saying. Uh the, a lot of a lot of attrition after last year. Um you know, I, I still believe this team, regardless of scoring output, because they lost a lot of scoring last year, I believe that this team has the horses to play a lot better defense than they're playing. And rebounding, they're struggling. And again, they gave up some size with losing Nunji and Garza. And of course, I don't think Agundale and, and Mulvey have progressed, developed quite as much as quickly as, as Fran would like. But but defensively, I'm talking half-court defense, this team can be better. They've got the personnel to be better, and I hope they will be. But that's probably my biggest frustra- frustration right now is they're losing not because they can't score, but because they can't play defense and they can't rebound. That That's the frustrating part. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, if they can't do something going forward here to, to correct the second-chance points that they're giving up, yeah. um, it could be a long second half of the season. Yeah, and when I when I say half court defense, I want to make it clear there are times when Iowa does play good half court defense. But like Gary has talked about, if you're not securing securing that board, you can't call that that possession a success, um, regardless of if it, if uh, it's a second chance points or not, because you're giving up, you know, shot after shot after shot, and eventually you're going to get burned. And it's very rare that Wisconsin, to put this in perspective for everybody, Wisconsin scored 87 tonight. Um, they did put up 89 against Marquette and they put up 89 against Illinois state. But uh, that's the, uh, th- that's the biggest Iowa's loss to 
Wisconsin tonight is the biggest scoring output for Wisconsin other than Marquette and Illinois State. So that that should tell you all you need to know right there, whether you're talking rebounding or just strictly uh, half-court defense. It, it You're right. It does need to get better and quickly. Oh, yeah. Iowa, you know, they got basically got beat at their own game tonight. So, you know, if you'd have, if you if you'd have give the final score before the game, you'd have said Iowa would have won. Well, I'd hope I'd hope so. I never expected Iowa to give up eighty-seven to Wisconsin. I'll just say that. No, no. I I thought if Iowa if Iowa was going to lose this game, I thought it'd be sixty-five, sixty. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, Wisconsin. I said this earlier. Wisconsin scored fourteen points, in I think the first four minutes. That's just. Right. That, I mean, that's not good, man. That's that. That's a a big hole defensively to dig yourself early and then you're playing catch up. I mean, you're just playing catch up from that point forward. I mean, that just to put that in perspective, even if you say four, you know, 14 in the first five minutes, what is that? 28, 50. I mean, you're on pace to give up 112 points in the game if you keep playing that type of defense. So that's just, those little spurts are tough because we know Iowa is going to have times. They don't have the shooters they had last year. There are going to be times where they have a scoring drought. And so, you, you know, you've got to be able to rely on, your defense to be able to keep you in games when you have droughts. Droughts are a part of life in the Big Ten, especially with with these good defensive teams they're going up against. Exactly, and you're you know you're when you're you're giving up you know uh, successive uh, offensive rebounds, you know you're you're killing your energy level. Yeah, you know there's a lot more energy expended on defense than on offense, and and uh, if you have to do that, you know three times on the same possession. Uh, it's going to wear you out. You're right, Pat. I, I, we're on the same page. Well, that's that's all I got for the for the comments. I appreciate you guys and uh, um, great job with the show. Appreciate it, Pat. We'll we'll talk to you uh, hopefully next week. Take care, bud. All right. Always enjoy the the phone calls from Pat and all of our our listeners, our callers, um, Aaron. When will Fran be held responsible for not coaching defense? Look, I mean, there are some guys that are going to specialize in one one area of the game. Um, Fran does not specialize in coaching defense. I'm not there every day at practice, but I would guess that a very small portion of the of of the time spent is on defense. That would be my assumption. All right, now you. You, you can see that on, uh, playing out on the court, right? As far as being held accountable, I, I you know, if he keeps making tournaments, it's going to be a while before he's going anywhere, at, at least from an administration standpoint. Maybe he gets offered by Notre Dame and, and leaves, but um, that's just what you have. And I, again, I do feel like it's kind of the opposite conversation that we have with football, right? It's just kind of the opposite conversation. You don't need the defensive unit to be great. You just need it to be decent. And I think maybe half court, if you throw out rebounding, which you can't do, but if you throw out defensive rebounding, I think defensively, as far as on-ball defenders, Iowa's effectiveness in the zone is probably a little better than last year. Cumulatively at this point, again, I think they have more athletic players. They have longer guys cumulatively. They don't have bigger guys in the post, but they have longer guys as a team. Um, But the fact that the rebounding has taken such a big step back it's kind of a wash defensively right now. I don't think it's any better than last year at this point, unless rebounding is better. Maryland, the defense was okay, right? They gave up, what, 78? I think it's maybe a little less than that. What was the number? 
that they gave up to uh, to Maryland. Let me pull this up. Maybe I can't pull it up. My network's giving me fits. Um, something like that, right? Somewhere in the 70s to Maryland. Um, the point is, they're not going to be able to uh, 75 to Maryland. So, you know, the defense was okay, but even that is not great at home to a Terrapins team that's been okay. Okay, and I are beating a dead horse. Uh, let's get down to our next comment. I hope Keegan is okay. Absolutely agree with that. All right, absolutely agree with that. I think he is. I mean, again, he came back in the game. Um, one would have to think that he would not have come in the game, back in the game, had he not been okay. Um, but it was good to see him return. And, and to be frank, um, if he were to go down, you're, you're in danger of uh, <laughs> this season sort of, I mean, I know that I'm stating the obvious there, but you, you're you're in danger of of uh, derailing, right? If if something were to happen to Keegan, so it was good to see him get back in there. He just hit the deck hard. You will have some bruising and some pain tomorrow morning. I'll tell you that. Mark might be time to give a Gundelay or Mulvey some more time with Rebrach at power forward for tonight. The three bigs had great effort, but only three rebounds, uh, one each. Yeah, I mean those numbers have to get better, right? They've got to get better. Um, but Ogundale. And Mulvey, man, those guys are just not there yet. You, you have high hopes for them, but they have not developed as quickly as, you, as you'd like them to develop. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game from the Hawkeye of the Storm, who's on the line. Can you hear me, caller? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? You're on the air. Oh, can you hear me, Corey? I can. Okay. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to be extremely critical um, of the Hawks. I'm sure there's going to be some stuff you're going to agree with and disagree with. Sure. Um, but first thing, I have to say this. Um, I know a lot of people think that uh, the is it Keegan Murray. Mm-hmm. Yep, is a lottery pick, and I'm sorry, but in no way, shape, or form is he a lottery pick. Um, not he's not a he's not a first round pick. He's not even a second round pick. Um, the reason I say that is, as of right now, to me, he looks mu- nothing more um, than like a Jared Utah. Uh, skill set wise. Yeah, he can step out, hit the three point shot. He's got great uh, moves at the uh, bottom of the basket and the low post. But other than that, there's nothing that screams to me lottery pick. I don't know why I keep hearing people say that. I've heard commentators um, mention that possibility. Uh, more so, I can't think of the. Jeff Settles is who I keep hearing say it. But I'm, I'm sorry, the kid is not a lottery pick. He's got way more um, that he has to develop. Uh, before he can look at any kind of first round uh, potential, well, I guess. I I, I I understand that he's got more to develop. And this is Vincent, am I correct? Uh, yes, sir. Sorry, I couldn't. I okay. couldn't tell if you could hear me. No, I yeah, I didn't know if this was you or your brother. Um, I'll I'll disagree with you on this though. You you got to realize that that uh, there's a lot of draft experts who have pegged him as a first round draft pick. This isn't all fans saying this. There's a lot of draft experts who I'd have to think know what they're talking about that have pegged him, maybe not as a lottery pick, but as a surefire first round pick. And he is leading the big 10. He is leading the big 10 in scoring. And I believe leading the country in scoring. And trust me, I I understand that. And I, I, I can see, I can see where they would get that from, but just from my perspective, Corey, uh, there's to me, he doesn't look like a first round pick at all. And probably not even a second round pick to me. So what does he need to do better in your mind? What, what, cause right now he, he, I mean, he shot five of six from three last time out. He struggled a bit from the free throw line tonight. Uh, he's more athletic than Jared Utoff. 
Um, I don't know that he's quite as good of a three-point shooter as Jared, but I think he's got an all-around skill set that's probably a bit better than Jared's. Jared's was never very athletic, but Keegan is extremely athletic. He's a good shot blocker. Um, I think he's a pretty good on-ball defender. So what does he need to do better in your mind? And I, I knew you disagree with me. But that's why I love calling in your show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least to me, he does have a pretty good outside shot. It, it can be kind of sporadic, but for the most part, I think he's shooting over 35% from three. He does great right underneath the rim, and especially if he's within three to five feet in the low post. But as far as driving ability, being able to drive from the perimeter to get to the basket, I don't see enough consistency from him to, to warrant the first-round selection. <clears throat> also, there's too much there's too much stiffness that I see from uh, both Murray brothers when it comes to dribble drive or going to the basket. And again, this is just my perspective, Corey. I'm sure you're going to probably have a, a different point of view. But a lot of stiffness in the hips, um, his movement. There's a, there's not a lot of explosiveness from him unless he's directly underneath the basket. And again, I'm being critical. I apologize, but that's just kind of my take on. It. Oh, you have a right to your opinion. I again, I'm no draft expert. I, I'm just I am just falling back on what I've seen as far as, and I'm not looking at a bunch of mock drafts this time of the year, but there have been a lot of draft experts who have said that he's a first round draft pick. I will say another reason why to me, he's at a different level than say a Jared Utah is his efficiency. He's shooting 60% from the field this year. Um, and again, his free throw shooting wasn't great tonight, but he's an 82% free throw shooter. He's averaging eight boards a game. Um, so I, I get what you're saying, and it's it's still early. A lot of these numbers have come. He's still got to prove himself because a lot of these numbers have come against lesser op- opponents. We've seen how many. We've seen five Big Ten games, two of which, if I'm thinking back, two of which he didn't play in, right? He didn't play in the Purdue or the – or he played in the Illinois game, but he didn't play very well. I think he was still hampered by that ankle. Um, and he didn't play very well against Iowa State. Played really well against Virginia. I thought he played really well tonight, and he played excellent – against Maryland, but he's still got room to go. I'm not going to anoint him as a lottery pick yet, but I think he's a potential lottery pick, but I'm just going based off of what I've heard, what I'm hearing from guys who know about the draft a lot better than I do, but you, you have a right to your opinion. It'll, it'll all play out. Uh, yes. Um, I've heard the same thing from some folks or especially from the commentators. Um, again, uh, just my take, but uh, for me, I, you were saying that he shoots uh, over 60% from the field, right? Yeah, he's efficient, right? The the only thing I would um, maybe or say to you um, with the upcoming games, watch him from five feet and out. What I mean is, you know, from inside the three point line to the uh, to where the block is at. There's not a lot of fluid, explosive movement from him. The reason he's shooting sixty percent from the field is he's either getting dunks in transition or he's um, having the guards either Toussaint. Or, or Bohannon finding him in the post where he's basically there for a dunk because he's he's very good going straight up just vertically up and dunking yeah. the ball or, or finding a spot right underneath the basket but and for me if I'm looking at a potential first round pick you have to have better better lateral movement more explosiveness um, from the three-point line and in not just from underneath the basket in a good or or fairly good three-point shooting percentage because he does shoot pretty good from three but other than that i just don't see a whole lot sorry for my son he's coughing in the background um just and again just my opinion i don't see that from him yet now this is something that he can uh, certainly work on and develop you know come next year because i don't see him leaving but 
just that's why I like calling into your show. You always give your honest opinion and take, even if it's you're disagreeing with us. But just well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, and I'm saying this with the utmost amount of respect to you, Vincent. But sure, let me l- let me tell you something. I think you're way off on when you said mm-hmm. that you don't even think he's a second round pick. I think that's bogus. I think there's no way he's not a second round pick. We can argue about whether he's a lottery pick. We can argue about whether he's a first round pick. But heck, Aaron White got drafted in the second round. Jared Utoff would have been drafted in the second round had he wanted to be drafted. I know there's a backstory there. Devin Marble was drafted in the second round. All those guys, and you compared him to Jared. I think he's uh, again. Maybe you can. We can split hairs about him and Jared. I th- again, I think there are there are reasons to say he's a bit uh, a further ahead than a Jared. But Jared was also here. I mean, we're talking about a sophomore in Keegan, a true sophomore. But I don't think yeah. there's any way he's not a second round draft pick. If the draft was tomorrow, he would be a first round draft pick, in my opinion. I don't think there's any way on earth he would go undrafted. That's my opinion. No, that, and again, that's why I love calling into your show because you you have your point of view and I have mine, and no disrespect whatsoever. I completely understand where you're coming from. I hope your I hope your um, prediction, if he were drafted at the end of this year, is right that he does get taken in the second round. But if I'm a GM, there's certainly uh, a lot of potential there, but I'd have to see more from him if I'm going to take him. And maybe let me eh, let me correct it a little bit. I don't see him as a first round pick not by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. For me, I need somebody that has more explosiveness going from uh, the three-point arc uh, into the low block. I respect your opinion, Corey. Um, And I hope that you're right. Are you still with us, Vincent? Oh, yep, I'm still here. Sorry, did you catch any of that? Yeah, you were were cutting out pretty good. but okay, I think sorry. I caught the tail end. No, I, and you have you totally have a right to your opinion. I respect your opinion, and I, I agree. He's got a, and listen. He's shooting thirty six percent from from three, um, which is okay. I think he can shoot a better clip. He shot five of six. I th- thought he looked like a lottery pick Monday, in my opinion. He looked like a lottery pick Monday. He was five of six from three. Um, he made the little Dirk turnaround fadeaway, which I thought was a pretty move as a pro move. Um, so we'll see. He's got to be more consistent from outside. To me, that's the biggest thing. He's got to be more consistent from beyond the arc in order to validate a discussion about him being a lottery pick. I'll agree with you on that. I definitely, I think he's a surefire second round pick, but we'll see. It would help Iowa. I think you, we would both agree. It would really help Iowa, whether he comes out this year or next year, it would really help Iowa if he could at least be a first round draft pick. Even if he's not a lottery pick, be a first round draft pick, the issues we're having some technical issues I'm not sure if they're they're on my end or if they're on vincent's end or can you hear me sir well i apologize for that again i'm not sure what the the issues if they're on my they may be on my end tonight maybe maybe on my end might have to call the uh the internet company in the morning but uh vincent if you're listening to this give us a call back uh, you were cutting out pretty good there at the end but again it might have been our signal on our end here from the hawkeye of the storm but always appreciate the calls from vincent and uh it's a valid discussion. I thought he looked pretty good tonight, overshadowed by a, a team that's just a lot further ahead right now. And again, it's a, it's a home win for Wisconsin. You got to if you're going to make the tournament in this league, you got to protect home court. If you're not winning seventy five percent of your home games or better, probably probably better than that, you're you're not making the tournament because it's going to be tough to win on the road. The crowds are back right now. Students aren't, 
So this wouldn't have been, would have been an excellent opportunity for Iowa to get a road win at Wisconsin. But overall, you got to figure out a way to, to protect home court. That's what Wisconsin did tonight. And um, again, I, I have uh, I have reason to believe that Keegan Murray, if the if the draft were tomorrow, he would be a first round draft pick. A lottery pick might be going a bit far right now. Um, and he's got again the three point shot to me is the biggest thing. He's got to get a little bit more consistent. He's got a really nice looking stroke from three, right? He's got a really good shooting stroke, but I, I agree he's got to get better from behind the arc. Hyperlocal, what are your thoughts on the best defensive lineup for Fran? Best defensive lineup. Well, I'd have to go Philip at the five. Um, I know people are kind of down on Philip Rabracha, but I don't, I mean, I'm not starting no Gundale or Mulvey. I mean, for defensive or offensive purposes right now. Um, so I would go with Philip Rabracha at the five. Um, and then defensively, you know, Patrick, I, I struggle with Patrick. To me, he should be getting on the glass a little bit better than he is right now. Patrick, let me pull up the numbers for Patrick McCaffrey for tonight. Uh, Patrick ended up with, if I can read this, seven boards. So not a bad night on the glass for Patrick. He actually led Iowa. And re- um, so, but again, to be completely honest, to me, he can rebound the ball better. Um, and so I would, but I'd probably still go Patrick because of his shot, his shot blocking ability. Keegan would be in there as well. You know, maybe Chris, but then you're talking a really long yeah. lineup with not much guard assistance. And then of course, Tony Perkins, I like Aaron Eula. So he might, maybe he get the nod over Chris Murray. Um, but certainly again, if I'm looking at a defensive lineup, uh, a guy like Eulis, guy like Perkins, those two guys are kind of struggling a bit offensively right now. Tony was playing well a few minutes, a few uh, weeks ago, but uh, defensively is where I was struggling right now. But you ha- you can't have one without the other in this league. You got to have both. Vincent, do we have you back on the line? Yes, sir, Corey. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yep, and it may have been our end. I think we're having some internet issues on our end, so I apologize. No, no, you're good. I, I just like calling in because you'll tell me if if you disagree um, and not have any problem with it. Um, anyway. To kind of go off of the the Keegan Murray thing again, I, I hope you're right. I hope he's, um, I do hope he's a first round talent because it's going to help with recruiting other bigs. Um, so anyway, I hope you're right in that regard. I kind of want to go to tonight's game. If that's okay with you, just for sure. a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know a lot of folks are talking about the the Brad Davison uh, leg kick out, which yes, obvious on camera. I don't know how the refs missed that either, and I also don't know how you don't overturn that. Um, knowing the kid's history, I mean, this is with his, what, 17th year at Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure the refs know um, that's kind of what the guy does. But two things I just wanted to point out, and then the, um, I'll turn it back over to you. Um, Iowa's shot selection tonight was absolutely terrible from some of the players. And I'm going to go ahead and single out Patrick McCaffrey, uh, Tony Perkins, and Tyler Uless, which is something you kind of already uh, touched on. Just bad shot selection, especially driving to the rim. I, Patrick McCaffrey probably more so than anybody sticks out to me just because of how many ill-advised off-key or off-kilter uh, off shots um, I saw him taking. But just extremely poor shot selection uh, tonight. And then the, la- the second thing or last thing is rebounding, which I'm sure you guys have probably already addressed, um, and even more so uh, – uh, the, the lack of, um, or just rebounding in general. I know I saw, what's the young man's name, number one, Davis, 
we had three Hawkeyes underneath the basket on a missed shot. And he just kind of came up from behind the three point line or from the three point line to snag a rebound and lay it in just terrible rebounding tonight. And I would look like they played scared in my opinion. And I'll turn it over to you, Corey. Sorry. Well, they, they, yeah, they're getting out physical. I mean, they, they got pushed around against Iowa state and you could argue that happened against Illinois and it happened tonight. So yeah, physicality is a big part of this. I think rebounding the ball. Now, Patrick McCaffrey, as far as shot selection is concerned with Patrick, that's just kind of how he is. I mean, you watch him in high school. He, he took a lot of unorthodox shots when they're going in. We're not complaining about shot selection. So I, I see where you're coming from. I've said the same thing at times as well. Um, and you know, Aaron Eulis, uh, you, you hope his offensive game can come along because I think he's got great vision. He's got good, a good defensive prowess and to me, he's a good ball handler. He's an excellent ball handler. So, um, I agree with you. The rebounding is the, is the biggest issue because defensively, um, you know, I keep saying that they've got the horses to play defense in the hat court half court, but man, rebounding is killing this team right now because they're not turning the ball over. This is like the. The uh, well, you saw the the graphic on the screen tonight. Wisconsin and Iowa are the two teams that turn the ball over the least in this conference. So, the fact that Iowa is turning the ball over as little as they are, they're shooting free throws better than anybody else in the conference, and they have the highest scoring individual individual in the conference. And yet, they've lost by double figures to several opponents. Now, would tell me that there there's some category where they're really really bad, and it's obviously rebounding. You know, I can talk till I'm blue in the face about about defense because it's been this way for five years. It's been bad since 2017. It's just never good, um, and it doesn't really seem to matter to the personnel. And that's that's the frustrating part. Maybe it's gotten a little bit better, but you take a step back in in rebounding overall, you're kind of flatlining. So, um, I would agree with you on on the uh, the rebounding issue, no doubt about it. Um, but like I said, shot selection. That's hard for me to to evaluate a guy like Patrick just because of how unorthodox he plays. True. Now I, I realize that you were saying that's kind of his game, that running towards the basket, unorthodox shot. But if you're gonna take that, you better be confident that you're gonna make it or have a high percentage of making it. You're right. And not just throwing it up there. And to me it looks like he's just kind of throwing it up there when it's heavily contested. That's just a bad shot, Corey. I'm sorry, but you need to be smarter as a player realize if you're if, if you're trapped or if you got if you have a defender on you it's got you locked up kick it back out or drive and look for somebody else either you know cutting to the rim sitting behind the three-point line and again I do realize that that's his game and sometimes he's on with that other times he's off and he's off bad um, tonight was one of those nights that he is off or he was off uh, pretty bad with that I do agree with you Lou or Ulysses uh, is a good ball handler um, him and Tony Perkins have a lot of development to do when it comes to their perimeter game and their perimeter shot because it would take a lot of pressure off of Bohannon or the bigs if you can drive and then pull up, you know, for a short perimeter jumper or something with, you know, within 12 to 15 feet. Those guys just haven't um, developed that yet, but they can. But just getting back to Patrick McCaffrey, yes, that, that is his game, but man, he just took some bad shots tonight, even though that's within his wheelhouse. And uh, lastly, or go ahead, Corey. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, uh, Vincent, as, as you're talking here, I'm seeing this comment from Nicholas D. He says, and I quote, Iowa sucks. Iowa gets all the calls. He's got a big Badger logo in his profile picture. Do you have anything to respond to that? What calls did Iowa get tonight? <laughs> I don't I, I guess, know. What is he talking about? I, I, you know, maybe Brad Davison. I don't know. The, uh, to me, when, when Iowa plays Wisconsin, Iowa never gets the calls because they got Brad Davison. They've had Brad Davison for the last five years. 
And it seems like every year Iowa plays in Brad Davis and does something dirtier to me that's outside the ring. People like to compare Brad Davis into a guy like Chris Kingsbury or someone who's just kind of gritty. To me, he's not anything like that. He, he, to me, like Aaron Kraft, Aaron Kraft wasn't dirty. Aaron Kraft just got under your skin. To me, it's pretty clear Brad Davison is a dirty player. And I hear Wisconsin fans all the time, oh, he does so much nonprofit work and he he cares about the community. He literally tried to punch Connor McCaffrey in the no-no squares uh, two years ago. And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna sit here and act like he's a, a a man of the people. That's just ridiculous. So, anyways, I just figured I'd give an Iowa fan an opportunity to respond to a Homer uh, Badger fan. I'll say this: he can talk whatever he wants to about tonight's game, but last year they couldn't even sniff Iowa basketball. Right. We gave them three opportunities, and they came up short each time. To piggyback on to what you're saying, Brad Davidson is a good basketball player, a good collegiate basketball player, but he is dirty he has the reputation not by accident but because of the stuff that he does and just to clarify if brad davidson wasn't playing collegiate basketball he'd probably be a criminal based off of the bs that he pulls on the court sometimes i'm just being honest he does some shady stuff some stuff that's that's borderline um it, it's just very shady i wouldn't say borderline criminal because that's an, being a little bit exaggeratory with it but he does some shitty stuff part my language on the basketball court where he's actually even hurt players during his collegiate career. He's basically of, a, a worse version of Grayson Allen at Duke. He's basically just a yeah, worse version yeah. of Grayson Allen. He's just shorter than Grayson Allen and doesn't have a pro career ahead of him. That's the only difference Correct. between exactly. him and, so, I mean, and Brad worse, Davidson. Worse in every way than, than Grayson um, Allen. Uh, uh, Corey, I, I appreciate all the time, and sorry for the disconnect. I'll let another caller come in. Last thing I just wanted to say, which was something you were kind of talking about, um, with the lack of defense, I've I've seen this quote before from uh, Fran McCaffrey as well as players. Fran's philosophy is because I heard callers talk about not taking a timeout to stop a run, or and I, I like the zone if it's working with Fran. But there's too many times that we're playing help defense, and as soon as the player drives to the uh, to the lane or to the top of the uh, free throw line, there's somebody open on a corner three, and it kills us every time. The reason I say that is because Fran has said, just like his players have also quoted Fran by saying, I want to run because we have a better chance of winning. If we pile up a bunch of points, it's going to be harder for them to outscore us. And I know that they play defense. I know that they practice defense. But Fran's philosophy is we're going to outscore you by out by outrunning you in transition. So that's kind of his philosophy. Just wanted to throw well, that out there. He's, yeah, here's what he's I'll say to you. By saying that. No, in, in response to that, you know, I, I when, when I think about um, and I see some comments in there in the chat about it. But when we're talking about defensive units that Iowa deploys, specifically Fran, I've, I've heard his philosophy defensively. Part of his philosophy is also to deploy a lot of different types of defense. Right. And you can't stick with I mean, again, you ought to be able to play zone, some form of zone and man-to-man defense at this level. But when you're focusing so much on mixing up defenses, you're probably not going to get good at any defenses. So to yeah, me, yeah, yeah. they say, uh, uh, what do they say? A man of, of many trades is a master of none. And to me, that's part of <laughs> Iowa's problem. Yeah. To me, you need to, you need to figure out a way to excel in one defense before you move on to another one. There's nothing wrong with, with um, throwing in multiple defenses to throw off or to sign me an offense, but you have to be good at it. Just like you just said, 
So sometimes if you're throwing too many out there and your players aren't executing it, you have to dial that back. You have to go ahead and simplify what you're doing, either from an offensive or defensive standpoint, to make sure that you're not putting your players in a bad position or leaving them exposed. So yes, I absolutely agree with you. You can't have too many where you don't, where you're not good at any of them when you can actually just maybe tone it down. Cause I love the three quarter. Um, and I'm trying to think of the, the phrase for it. Is it a one, three, one or something to that extent? Cause I'm not a basketball guy, but I know that they do implore different defenses, which can be effective, but if you're not, doing them all at a high level, you got you to gotta scale it back. You have to make sure that you're not put, throwing your players out there to the wolves just because your philosophy is, well, the more defensive fronts, or not fronts, the more defensive um, schemes or changes we throw at them, the more we're going to interrupt their offense. Well, a lot of times these good offenses, like a Wisconsin, they'll say, okay, yeah, and we're going to score 87 points on you, which is the, the exact – outcome tonight so yeah i mean you're pretty again they're pretty good at that press again the fact that uh we have to deploy a press because we we aren't effective we really aren't effective man-to-man or zone we can't count on either one of those and i think that's part of fran's philosophy is well we'll see if if, if the man's working tonight we'll stick with that if the zone's working tonight we'll stick with that if neither are working we're just going to keep switching back and forth and hope it confuses the defense and to me, yeah. that's not really addressing the issue. The issue is we're not effective at playing defense, whether it's zone or man-to-man. So I agree. It's, it's, it is what it is. I get I cringe when I see Iowa in that uh, full-court press, though, because oftentimes if Wisconsin or an Iowa State gets past that initial, initial front in that press, there's an easy bucket on the other end. Yeah, because they're good at breaking that down. Or yeah. they have somebody that's all, that's uh, ran down uh, the court and has set up shop on either the bottom of the three-point line or the top of the three-point line, and we're always so vulnerable. And you'll see this yourself, Corey, as you already maybe have, or you'll continue to see it. When Iowa runs a zone and we do a double team, we're double teaming the wrong guy. We double teamed one of their their reserves, or almost triple teamed them, leaving two three uh, three-point shooters open. And I've never understood that concept because I would rather give up a tough two than an open three. But some of Fran's defenses, this this zone, either a 3-2 or 2-3, however he does it, we're leaving three-point shooters open because Fran's saying, well, the probability or the shooting percentages from the outside are much lower than they are as you get closer to the basket. But if they start knocking them down and get hot, you're bearing yourself a hole from behind the th- or, uh, because your opposition is shooting a high per- or higher percentage from behind the three-point line. Instead of being down six, you're down nine or 12. I've, just, I've never gotten that, and we keep doing that. I've seen many commentators um, make the same comment about Iowa leaving three-point shooters open. We double-team guys as they drive into the lane. I would, hey, if I have Toussaint and a Ulyss and a Perkins, go ahead and go one-on-one with my guard, and I'll take it. If you can make a tough two-point shot, hey, you go ahead and take it. But I'm not going to leave a three-point shooter open all night like we've done with that kid Aaron's from Ohio State in the past who averages seven points a game and goes off for 27 against He's us. better it's now. He's better now, Vincent. But when he went off against Iowa, he wasn't doing nothing. You're right. Yeah, but you'll, you'll see it. Just uh, trust me, Corey. You'll be watching the game like, what was that guy's name that called in and said, yep, we leave three-point shooters open all the time because we think or Fran thinks it's his philosophy, which I've read some of his quote, it's a harder shooting percentage from the further you go from the basket out. So he's willing to take 
that chance versus giving somebody either an open drive to the basket or a perimeter jumper or perimeter shot. I but just Vincent, we do that. Too. We're not good at defending the basket. You know how many easy dump-ins there were tonight against – I mean, Iowa doesn't have a post presence, and the problem is your guys who are under seven foot don't really know how to defend the post. I mean, we have no idea what we're doing one-on-one in the post. No, we don't. Uh, no, we don't. You're no idea right. at all. And we don't have Ken Rebracha as much as – I like Rebray. He, he's that, the best defender be, in there, though, Vincent. He's the best they got defensively. Yeah, he he does a he does a fairly adequate job. Um, he does better than I thought, but we need to go ahead and allow him to play one on one defense versus collapsing down, especially on a guy like Crow, number twenty two for Wisconsin. Not sure who he is. Didn't even know he was there last year. But why are we going to double him and leave a perimeter shooter or shooter open or a three point shooter open? Go ahead and let Rabracha DM up one-on-one. If he makes a tough two, so be it. Get back on D and then run your offense. But instead, we double down, leave open the corners, uh, or leave open the three-point line. And anyway, it's just it's a redundant thing. It's, it's, as a fan, it's frustrating. And I'm yet or rambling, Corey, so I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. I appreciate it, Vincent. Thanks for the call and, and calling anytime. And I apologize for the internet issues earlier. No, 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 not at all. And again, I hope you're right with – uh, Keegan Murray, um, I, I'll, I'll correct myself. I think you're right. If he were drafted today, I think it would be without question he'd go somewhere in the second round. But when I keep hearing lottery pick in first round, well, that I just shake my head. Here's what I'll say, and I'm going to quote one of the uh, the chatters here. That I'm just going by sure. what Oatmeal for Life says. So he says USA Today mock draft has Keegan at number 14 overall. Bleacher Report has him at number eight overall. NBC Sports has him at number 25 overall. Wow. I, I hope they're right. I hope they're right, but I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't see it as of today. I guess I'll say that. Sure. Well, you, that, I hope you're wrong too. And uh, we'll see. I mean, if this team can continue to <laughs> improve, then they're going to win more games and he's going to get an opportunity to be in the spotlight. But, uh, Got a long ways to go on the defensive end. We can agree on that. And and I will say this, Vincent, I know you're a big football fan. Um, I think the ship the ship has sailed on Iowa grabbing a transfer quarterback if that ship was ever docked. Because um basically everybody's off the board. Zach Calzada committed to Auburn today. Um, you know, it, we saw Casey Thompson has now narrowed his list, it sounds like, to four schools. Iowa's not on that list. We saw Connor Basilak, he's committed to Indiana. So that ship has sailed, so I figured I'd just throw that into the mix as well. Sure, and you said Deuce Hogan went to Kentucky. He's, he's walking on, is that right? Yes, sir, he is. Wow. You know, I I'm went at- back and watched some tape real quick um, of him, and I was quite impressed with what I saw from his uh, spring practice videos and his seven-on-seven drills. It's it's upsetting to lose him, but what can you do now? He, he's going. He'll earn a scholarship at Kentucky. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I wanted to ask you. Um, I know you're a Iowa. <clears throat> excuse me. Follow Iowa recruiting. Um, uh, very last uh, thing, real quick. Has anybody heard anything about? And it might be a sore subject for those in Ames. Has anybody heard anything about um, Xavier uh, Foster? Or Xavier Foster. I know he was released from ISU, and I heard he was facing criminal charges. Is that right? He has not been formally charged with any crimes. He's at the formally, center okay. of a sexual. Uh, assault investigation so that, okay. um, i was curious yeah he hasn't uh, there have been i don't think he's probably i think he's got bigger fish to fry than finding a new team 
Um, we'll see what happens with the criminal investigation. But obviously, Iowa State saw enough from their knowledge to not even wait and just just because really, they could have easily just suspended him indefinitely. But they they booted him off the teams. So they they took his scholarship away. So, um, yeah, there there's got to be cause there. I, I hope I hope I don't wish any kid uh, ill will. But if he if if he's guilty of something as as serious as it sounds, then uh, he's not playing basketball. That's the least of his problems. Yep, I appreciate you clarifying. I just happened to see a news feed. It's been a while back now. I hadn't heard anything else on it, so I thought maybe you knew. Yeah, I don't know if you know if he's. I don't even know if he's still in Ames. I'm guessing he's back in Oskaloosa, but I have no idea. Okay. Okay. Well, again, Corey, I certainly appreciate the call, and so have a good night. Thanks, Vincent. Have a great night, and always enjoy the calls from Vincent. And uh, apologize again for our internet issues earlier. I think we got those resolved, at least for the time being. And it shouldn't have mentioned football because now people are going to start going off on Spencer Petrus in the chat. Sorry, Spencer. Didn't mean to do that. But uh, bottom line is Iowa, not enough tonight. Excuse me, 87 to 78, the loss to Wisconsin on the road. We appreciate Coach Gary Close. By the way, Keegan Murray, I didn't put this line up. This is still a really good line. 27 points, 10 of 16 from the field, five rebounds. I get where Vincent is coming from that he believes Keegan has a long ways to go before becoming a a lottery pick. Um, But the bottom line is, uh, he's leading the country in scoring, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Because right now he's he's playing at an off, offensively, he's playing at a level that uh, you have to you have to say he's one of the two or three best teams in the Big Ten. Even if you want to put Kofi and Johnny Davis a, a notch ahead of him, um, he's he's playing at an all American level right now. So uh, Iowa has to regroup. I mean, again, you have a week off here, and then it's all all board the the. Big Ten train because you're not going to have much of a break after that. You go boom, 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 basically two games a week from the 13th of January until early March. So um, Iowa is going to have to figure out these rebounding issues. It looked like they'd corrected some of them, but they got exposed again tonight and it killed them again, the loss to Wisconsin. So Iowa, Indiana, a week from tonight, 8 p.m. Same time, same television network on Fox Sports 1. I believe this game is back in Iowa City. So an opportunity for Iowa to get back on the winning track. One and three in the Big Ten, so they need to win this game next week. We will be with you um, this Sunday with Coach Don Patterson. Um, Iowa Live with Coach Don Patterson this Sunday over at the Iowa Channel. So if you want a breakdown of the national championship, a preview of the national championship, college football national title game, Tune over to Iowa at the Voice of College Football on YouTube. Iowa at the Voice of College Football on YouTube for a special edition of Iowa Live, where, again, we're not really talking Iowa. We'll be talking with Coach Don Patterson uh, about the national championship game. He's got some analytics on both Georgia and Alabama. He'll be sharing those with us as well.